Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk Racing to Me with your host, like usual, Naomi Tucker. We are getting so, so close to the Kentucky Oaks, as well as the Kentucky Derby. Not long until I make the journey over to good old Kentucky myself. And as this show drops, I shall be in the car. My partner uh, Alejandro loves a road trip and... After seeing the DC to Kentucky flight prices, I uh, begrudgingly oblige. However, I have 50 minutes of solid Kentucky Derby and Oaks Contender content for you. Yes, yes, plenty of handicapping shows have gone before, but in this one we go over every single runner, some more briefly than others, really trying to give you that sort of broad perspective. Of course, you already know my guest quite well. Dubai Racing TV producer and presenter, as well as globetrotting writer Mikey Adolfson. He joins from Dubai to go over every single starter. Mike, I'm so glad that you're joining me to preview this year's Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks. Am I correct in saying that it's pretty much midnight where where you are right now, and that is most likely (laughs) Dubai? Um, It's a little bit past that. It's, It's well into the morning, but... I uh, was burning a little bit of the uh, the post-midnight oil, um, handicapping some of these races, and I'm just very excited for this weekend, and I'm getting myself used to staying up late, because in Dubai, it's going to be about 3 a.m. when the uh, Kentucky Derby goes off. Oof, that's going to be a bit of an all-nighter then, isn't it? Yeah, I'll just have to manage um, how much wine I drink that night and make sure I'm... uh... Make sure I'm just ready for the for the race. I mean, there's so and I'll be I'll be watching all the the broadcasts and everything. So I'll be hopefully have some money in the earlier card, and I'll definitely be playing the pick four and the pick five. Oh, you definitely have to stay up to see how you fare. It, th- there's no fun in placing wagers and then finding out in the morning if they hit or not. Like that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's impossible. But just looking forward to it, and and the undercard, as always, is also a, a a great undercard for Derby Day. It's like a mini Breeders' Cup. I am very very excited. I know that on Kentucky Derby Day we have fourteen horses, uh, horses. Wow, races coming up. So certainly a big day. Let's start with the hundred and forty eighth running of the Kentucky Derby, and we're going to run through the entire field. So we're going to start with the number one, Mo Donegal, for trainer Todd Fletcher. Of course, he got three in here in total. He's the Wood Memorial winner who was able uh, to reel in loose leader early voting and has bested Zandon as a young a youngster. And, and just looking at the way he races, it seems that Mo Donegal, the further he's going, the, the better he gets. So perhaps that mile and a quarter really kind of put him in the best spotlight. Yeah, I mean, the distance will be no issue at all with him. Uh, he's a sort of keeps his head low. He's a grinder um, and closes really well. Uh, the the post is no worry with, with me. Uh, race setup is just going to be, you know, I think people are assuming that there's going to be a hot pace this year. Um, I, and uh, that he's going to have, you know, everything's going to go back to the way it was before the point system. But I'm not sure that he's going to have as hot of a pace as people expect and and he's going to have to do a lot of work from the back. So I feel like he's a he's a player, and he's an obvious top choice in this race, but he's not going to be that for me. All right. Well, that, that's fair. I think it's a fun horse to perhaps use at a price, of course, 10 to 1 morning line. I know 
that it's not as big as a price as some of the bombs in the Kentucky Derby, but still a fun horse <clears> to perhaps use underneath. Let's move on to number two, Happy Jack for trainer Doug O'Neill. Rafael Bejarano takes the ride. Of course, the Iradotis Jr. Uh, will be on board of Mo Donegal as well, just to mention. Uh, Happy Jack Calumet Homebred, which means that he actually represents the leading owners and the leading breeders, breeders of the most Kentucky Derby winners. And of course, Doug O'Neill has gotten it done before in 2012 and 2016. However, Happy Jack does seem a little bit out of his depth here, doesn't he? Yeah, he's very much overmatched here. I mean, good connections. Uh, I think it's interesting that there's a horse named Happy Jack for Calumet, considering their 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 majority trainers, Jack Sisterson, uh, who's not with Jack. Uh, and uh, Happy Jack is actually I think he was O'Neill. named after him. Obviously, former <laughs> assistant to Doug O'Neill Jack. That's all Brittany Urton told me, so I'm, I'm taking her word on it. Wouldn't wouldn't be a shock at all. Um, but he's, <laughs> I, I'm sure that the horse is with Doug because it's an oxbow, and Doug has done incredibly well with another son of uh, oxbow in Hot Rod Charlie. And um, yeah, he's got another one in here. This horse has stamina all day. I look at him more as a play to finish in, maybe in the money in the Belmont, but not in the Derby. I agree with you there. Let's talk about Epicenter. The number mm. three here. Uh, it's quite hard to really find any flaws with the Steve Asmussen trainee. Joel Rosario takes the ride. He just simply simply keeps getting better and, and keeps going faster. I loved what they did with him in the Louisiana Derby. I think uh, on purpose they want him to get some kickback, and he took it like the professional he is. Yeah, he's had, he's had some, some ideal... You know, he's taken a little bit of kickback He's in his last run. Um, I like the... He's getting a full, you know, what, six weeks into the race, uh, especially because he has been getting faster race by race. Uh, I mean, he really doesn't have a lot of flaws, except for the fact that he's going up against a field that's tougher than we've seen in the last few years in this race. And the post and post three doesn't bother me too much as long as he kind of tucks in right there. My only worry is that uh, the pace... You know, if if the pace isn't as fast as people expect, and he jumps out there, he might have to make the running to maintain mm-hmm. position, um, and he might be a sitting duck at that point. Uh, so yeah, he's he has a lot of parallels for me to a horse like Gunrunner, who I you know was all over, yeah. and I thought he'd win the Derby, and he wound up finishing third that year. Right. I mean, I love Epicenter in this spot. Of course, slight second choice. I know that morning line they made Zandon the three to one favorite, mm-hmm. but I do feel like if he continues improving i like the way he's shown flexibility and look like you said if he's on the lead he's shown he can win on the lead and it's going to be a tall task for anyone in here to win the mm-hmm. kentucky Derby. but i think epicenter he's got what it takes and would give uh steve asmus and hopefully finally that first kentucky derby win I, I really like him in this spot and i know that the market probably will too let's move on to summaries tomorrow who i feel you have a lot more knowledge about than yeah. me uh, of course, uh, having run second in the UAE Derby and having plied his trade on your circuit. Yeah, he's, I watched his last two works here as well after the UAE Derby before he shipped over there. He, he worked really well over there um, as well. Mikhail Barcelona's riding. A lot of people who are not familiar with Mikhail, um, you know, think of him as maybe, maybe a turf rider. And he has won, you know, some of the biggest turf races in the world, uh, the Epson Derby and et cetera. Um, but and the British Cup turf, but he's incredibly good out of the gate for, uh, you know, uh, a, a rider you wouldn't expect to be. If you watch any UAE racing at all, 
he's almost always putting a horse handy on the lead and then he drops his hands and he's very he's lethal at getting them when he gets them to settle and you saw that in the uae derby he got the horse out he got the horse onto the lead and then he just got the horse he wasn't you know he's setting a legitimate pace but he was very much relaxing the horse the whole time he gets the most out of them on the front end i don't see this horse winning i think they'll be happy if he finishes i mean i'll be happy if he finishes in the first half of the field um but I don't think he's a hundred to one. You know, it's a sporting mm-hmm. sporting gesture for the for the connections. Uh, it's a once in a lifetime chance, and and I'm glad he's in there to make sure also that that it's going to be at least you know a somewhat of a pace. Yeah, I feel like he's got quite the role to play, play perhaps in the pace setup. He seems very fast. Mm-hmm. Look, I remember Miguel Barcelona from his. A derby win in 2011 on poor Marway so famously stood up just before the wire that's that's of mm. course that was my sort of first memory of him uh, as a clearly very talented jockey let's move on to smile happy for trainer Kenny McPeak Corey Lannery uh, in the saddle of course Corey Lannery 10 time Churchill Downs leading rider so he certainly knows how to ride the circuit and, and smile happy I thought his bluegrass effort taking control in mid-stretch was very, very strong. He outkicked the leader there, but unfortunately didn't have an answer for Zandon. Yeah, I think that that's kind of hitting it on the head there. That he's he's very good, and he's progressing, and he's got a winner over the track, and obviously in the Kentucky Jockey Club against a couple of these, and those are all pluses, but I feel like we saw in the bluegrass the difference between him and the upper echelon in this race. Um, and the the top horses are just gonna have to not run as well as you'd expect and i don't think they're all gonna bomb you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. i feel like yeah. he's just a second tier horse um and i do have some worries about a run happy going a mile and a quarter even though there is plenty of stamina on the bottom um and run happy was bred to you know to go longer than he did but to me he's 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 just not appealing enough for me to put him in that top tier no, that makes sense. One of two in here for for Kenny McPeak. To be honest, I'd prefer Smile Happy over Tis the Bomb, but we'll we'll talk about him in just a second. How about Messier for Tim yeah. Yachtin, post-transferred from the Bob Baffert stable? John Velasquez aboard. He's Canadian-bred contender who ran some tough early splits trying to go with Forbidden Kingdom in the Santa Anita Derby. Now, Forbidden Kingdom, of course, backed up. Messier tried to continue, but then got bested by his stable mate in, in Taba. Messier to me is a is a logical player. He's going to run a big race. Um, he's going to sit probably just off the pace. If they don't want to go, he'll make the running. Um, he's going to be very very handy. I just see him as in the picture. He's going to be in the frame every step of the way here. I have him in the top two in this race, and I just feel like he's a he's he's a serious player with, with his connections are going to have him perfect on the day. See, I have him and Epicenter in my top two. I think Messier's got a huge, huge chance. So I'm glad that that we were uh, we're in synchrony on on this one. Let's talk about the Japanese contender, number seven, Crown Pride. Christophe Lemaire uh, takes the ride, trained by Kuichi Shintani. Did I say that? correctly i'm sure you know okay well it's his he was his first international stakes winner in the uae derby right mm-hmm. yes if yes. first big group stakes winner and um yeah he's he's obviously off to a flyer and he's he's carrying these these prestigious yoshida uh, Toria yoshida mm-hmm. silks which are the same as like should i farm um you know this is this horse is four generations of japanese breeding 
uh, it's nice to see how well he's he's performed. I think what's key in this race is that you there the, there are two different ways to look at it. One, his numbers are not fast enough and have not been. Um, Agreed. You know, he's a, he's many lengths behind. But two, on the other hand, I know for certain he will improve in this race. Uh, he will. It's a it's an upgrade to get Christophe Lemaire. We saw that in the work to this morning. Um, he's just to me, he's probably the riding better than anybody in the world right now, and he will push this horse forward. Um, for example, you know, if if you look I, on on the um, this, if you're looking at the sheets, I feel like he's running he's running about I think uh, about a fifth, 14, fifth, 14 in his last race, and you need about a five this year. I think you're going to need about a five to win this race. Is he going to run a five? I don't think so. Uh, but I think he'll be, he can get him to an, a nine. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. He's very good. I feel like he'll pick up a piece of this race and I'll be using him in maybe a five horse trifecta box. It'd be a wonderful story for, for him to take home some of the purse money, but I'm, I'm fading him in here, even though I know how strong the Japanese contingent has uh-huh. been across the globe. So I guess fading at my own peril here. Let's move on to the number eight, Charge It. Uh, another runner in here for trainer Todd Pletcher, Louis Sayas on board. He only made his first start in January of this year, uh, did hit the gate in the Florida Derby, ended up running second despite that. Clearly has the talent, but still learning though, and kind of rolling into a Kentucky Derby is no small task. Yeah, I think that there are some horses that are lightly raced in this race that I love and some that aren't, and he's in the latter. Um, mm. I feel like he's probably going to get a lot of, maybe a lot of late support in the market. Um, I mean, he's a serious horse. I loved him in the Florida Derby because his maiden win was very, very good, and he ran a very good number in that race on all measurements. Um, he came into this last one. He's a little bit green, um, you know, shifting around and just – to me, he looks like a Belmont horse. A lot of people have mentioned this because he has a tap it and it is a Todd Pletcher, but wouldn't be a yeah. shock at all if he's kind of more of a, a loping 12 furlong strong Belmont horse in the long run and he needs this race to get to there. Well, that's very much possible and, and continue that progression because like you said, I thought he was quite green still as well. The number nine, Tista Bond, the other Kenny McPeak runner that we already mentioned briefly, Brian Hernandez Jr. on board. Most likely will be remembered by most people as the horse that was pronounced the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner for wagering purposes at Del Mar no. last fall. Was successful on the turf, won the Jeff Ruby, which is on the synthetics. So to me, I just don't think the dirt is really his preferred surface. Yeah, I mean, his one dirt win was in a rained off uh, gate to wire. He never got any dirt in his face. He did not run well. I mean, I, I feel like when they when they when they were mentioning that it was possible for like 2000 guineas and the Epsom Derby, they were saying, you know, basically tipping their hand that possibly, you know, the dirt just wasn't for him at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And hopefully he does still go on the Epsom. That would be great. And, this, you know, Dr. Devious many, many years ago ran on the Kentucky Derby before winning the Epsom Derby um, in the nineties. Uh, but, you know, I, he's a hit at a bomb. Hit at a bomb was a turf miler, at, you know, a, a war front out of a Savage Wells mayor. Um, you know, Tisvam does have dirt on the bottom, which is now, but to me, it's it's a big stretch. He's got a lot of class, and he's running big numbers in the synthetic uh, that would compete if they were if, they, if it was dirt. You know, they're they're, they're that equivalent, but he's mm-hmm. going to have to prove me wrong. 
yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with him because of what you mentioned. The numbers are there, just not on the service that we're running on this Saturday. Number 10, Zandon, is your uh, morning line favorite here for four-time Eclipse Award champion trainer, Chad Brown. As expected, Zandon took that next performance leap in the bluegrass. The only drawback with him that I see is that he's going to need every bit of racing luck and a savvy ride from Flavian Pratt to navigate possible traffic because of his running style. He is a closer. Yeah, he's he's going to have to get a little lucky. I think he'll be a little handier. Uh, Flavian's really good at placing horses. Um, even if he's a little bit dwelt or whatever he's going to do, he's going to probably make a left-handed turn, try to get down and save some ground and work his way up into the race. He seems to have some gears, uh, and he's improved with each start. You know, every, every number was faster than the one before on the sheets, uh, and he's progressing. He's had, a, you know, to me, he... he He's a logical player in the top three. I don't pick him to win, but I think he's going to be there at the finish. Oh, so where, where did you pick him? Third place? I have, I have him third. Okay, messier second. We haven't gotten to your top pick then yet, have we? <laughs> Not yet. Oh, I'm very curious now. Okay, so Zanin is my third pick uh, in here. Let's move on to the number 11, Pioneer of Medina. Another runner for top Platcher. He's kind of been subject to jockey roulette throughout his career he gets veteran rider joe bravo on board he's the he's from the last crop of pioneer of the now of course pioneer of the now sired the triple crown legend american pharaoh i feel like pioneer of medina is kind of the outsider of the pletcher trio but he does have somewhat of a staying pedigree to suggest that he'll enjoy the distance he is extremely sneaky in here i'm using him in all of the you know exotics basically um I feel like he's sitting on a big race. They're taking the blinkers off. He's probably going to be a little more settled, a little less keen for the for the for the front. Uh, to me, he's progressed with each race, numbers wise, which to, just tells me that he's just getting stronger and and figuring out the game. And and think they know that that he has some quality to him. They're very very pleased to get him into the race. Otherwise, he looks like a horse that Todd would just pack up and take to the Belmont. You know, mm-hmm. um, to to me, he's he's a, he's a, he. I would be shocked at all if he's in top four or five in this race. Well, 30 to one, that could provide some value for people. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he is because I'm, I'm going to include him in a, in a you know, multi-horse, <laughs> you know, in a, in a, if I have a six horse, uh, superfecta, I'm, he's definitely one of those horses and I'm hoping he's in second or third somewhere. Just, just, just beefing up the, the payout. Yeah. Ba- basically creating that value by sneaking in, in between somewhere. <laughs> Uh, the number 12, Taba, is the lightest raced runner in the entire field. Also the fastest runner on paper, also with Tim Yak team. Uh, history would be rewritten, should he be victorious? Because Hall of Fame writer Mike Smith would become the oldest jockey to win the Kentucky Derby. Now, I already said it before, he mm. was able to best Messier in the Santa Anita Derby going long for the first time in his career. So much untapped potential are we going to hold this inexperience against him? Nope, not one bit. I think he wins. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think he's, to me, uh, it was the only performance all season that kind of dropped my jaw. Um, I was shocked in that race. I thought that it was Messier's win, uh, race to lose. Uh, and yes, Messier had to you know, do a little bit more of the grunt work, but Taba just ran, he just ran to his shoulder. And then Mike asked him again, and he just went by him and just put him away. And I know that Messier was kind of uh, wasn't, you know, 
they didn't use all of Messier that day and they knew it was a building block. But to me, what we saw from Tabo was the sign of a very, very good horse. This horse, he jumped up three furlongs um, in four weeks and did it with a plum, you know, and he ran an even faster number. He ran a seven on the sheets and then ran a five and three quarters, which is faster than any horse here. Um, it's just... It, to me, if he if he progresses again, if he if he just maintains that five and three quarters, he can still win here. Um, that's that's kind of what I see with him. He's there. Are people worried about him getting out of the gate. Both of his starts have given us every indication that he pops out of the gate. Um, he's very agile. I love what I've seen in the mornings with him. People think mm-hmm. he kind of missed the work. That didn't surprise me at all when they when they let him just recover from the race because he worked so hard between – if you look at his work pattern, he worked a lot between race one and race two and then worked nine days out and three uh, three days out, which he did this week, nine days out and three days out. Um, to me, he just looks like the, the, the most raw talent in the race, and he does not show his – um, inexperience in his performance. He seems to be very, very straightforward. I have him on time from US as the winner as well for everyone using all the different speed figures. Of course, buyer speed figures, he stands above the majority of these and he does on time from US as well with a 124, which was only on par with Messier, I think two starts back mm-hmm. when Messier won, uh, won in the Rob. Rob Lewis, that was the 124 as well. And then he got bested and was a 122. So look, I, I agree with you. I'm just ever so slightly worried that the way the Kentucky Derby tends to be when the gates open, there tends to be a lot of elbowing going on. Mm-hmm. I just hope that that's not going to affect a young horse like Tabor, who in that Santa Anita Derby didn't have that big of a field to really mm-hmm. have to navigate. And he did. He started on the outside in that race. I feel like Mike is going to use him early to get some position. Um, I think he'll quarter horse him out there and just hopefully he'll be trying to sit in the clear in third, you know, third or fourth at that point. And it doesn't matter how fast they go at that point. This horse is fairly tractable and they went quick in the Sandy Derby going nine furlong. So he was already used. He's coming out of a fast prep. And that's what I like to see these races where they're running 23 and 46, uh, which is more similar to what they're going to experience in Churchill Downs. Oh, I have him. Uh, I have him in my top four as well. I'm very, very interested to see how he'll fare. Of course, with you saying he's your top pick, gotta take note, right? But let's uh, let's talk about some of the others in here. We still got a couple more to go. The number thirteen simplification for Antonio Sano Jose Ortiz mm. win, uh, was uh, the winner of the Fountain of Youth. Does perhaps need a bit of a clean trip to get a piece of it here, mm. but of course, jo- jockey Jose Ortiz is really aching for that first Derby win. Yeah, my worry is that he kind of numbers-wise, he kind of peaked um, a, a couple races ago, and they're saying things didn't quite go his way this past time. I just don't think he's good enough for this race. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, another uh, bigger price as well is is the number fourteen Barber Road 13, 30 to one on the board for trainer John Ortiz, Rayleigh Gutierrez. Uh, both getting that first chance at the run for the Roses. Mm. How wonderful a story is that if, if they do well? Yeah, I, I, it's a great story. It's it's great TV. Um, the horse is just too slow. Um, he's just going to have to sprout some wings to, to win the race. Uh, but he will be picking it up, especially if some of these horses get kind of battle-torn through the race and, and he just kind of weaves his way through. I expect him to finish about, you know, 
best at best eighth or so, um, you know, at worst 12th. I think he'll be in that kind of an area where he's going to pick up the pieces, but he's just not quick enough to finish with the best horses here. Yeah, he hasn't shown that just yet. And it's a not an easy race to all of a sudden run your career best. And even if his career best would be good enough against some of these heavyweights. So number 15, White yeah. Abario for trainer Safi Joseph Jr., Charlie Gaffleon on board. Missed uh, a little bit of training leading up to the Holy Bowl as well as the Florida Derby. Won both races nonetheless. Of course, uh, Safi Joseph Jr. just got minted the meet leading trainer for the championship meet at Gulfstream Park as well and this will be the first Kentucky Derby in May for Safi Joseph Jr. that he'll be attending this is one of the logical you know 12 to 1 or less horses that I'm just going to completely toss I feel like the running of the race is probably not going to suit him he might get jostled around the, the things that the people worry about with Tapa is what I worry about with White Barrio. Um, I, and I feel like he's not as sort of agile and tractable as what Tabo's going to be uh, in this race. Um, yeah, it, to me, it's he's had two races. Even though he's had his, his hiccups in training, his races have gone perfectly to plan for him. And I have a, I have a feeling that he's going to have 19 reasons around him that they're not going to go to plan in the Derby. <sighs> I, I do hope he does well. I, he's a user for me, but more sort of down the pecking order. Like you said, I do think he's got the potential of running a good race, but things have to go his way. The number 16 cyber knife for trainer Brad Cox, Florent Giroud, 20 to 1. This is a, a runner who just seems to be a work in progress. Looked mm -hmm. around, wondered a bit once he hit the lead in the Arkansas Derby, but Florent Giroud did have just so much horse underneath him, though. I think the outside draw actually helps him. In this case, kind of being able to stay away from some of the hustle and bustle. Yeah, I think that he's drawn extremely well for his style. Um, I think he'll make a nice little run there. Uh, similar to Smile Happy, I'm not sure he's as good as the as the best here. Um, any other year, he'd be right there. Uh, but yeah, to me, he's just a, a couple of the best here. He's really done very little wrong. He actually regressed on numbers in his last race in the Arkansas Derby and still won. Uh, which means, to me, says that the Arkansas Derby is a very weak race, and I think that's kind of universally accepted. Um, but to, it's if you go back two races, his, his allowance win was very big at the fairgrounds. So, yeah, I mean, he, there's a lot to like with him, and you got some some value there as well. And he's drawn extremely well, but and Florent doesn't make a lot of mistakes for Brad. So, I, I to me, it's it's there are angles here and there, but you have to draw a line. And to me, it's class. And I don't think he's quite there. Yeah. I, one of three for Brad Cox in here, all with the higher draws. And of course, Brad Cox hopes to win the Kentucky Derby this time in May instead of belatedly mm -hmm. as what ended up <laughs> happening last year. The number 17 classic Causeway comes in for trainer Brian Lynch. Julian Leperu takes the right 30 to 1. He disappointed in the Florida Derby and was subsequently taken out of contention by trainer Brian Lynch. I don't know if it's derby fever that took hold. I know yes. trainer Brian said he was just doing so well that he earned his spot back in here. So here we are. All right. So with classic Causeway, we have a horse that we know is going to be a part of the pace scenario. I, he, to me is the actual key of the, of the pace scenario, not summers tomorrow. It's whether or not he gets completely rushed out and Julian's a little more, um, patient than most riders i don't think that he'll he'll get him out. i think he'll get him in position and probably be sitting right outside of of messier and uh 
and Summers tomorrow, and that's why I suspect there might be not as strong of a pace as they expect. But he's the last crop of Giants Causeway. It'd be a great, uh, you know, feather in, in Giants Causeway's cap. But to me, it's he's just not quite good enough. I'm with you. I think if he were to be ridden aggressively on the lead, he might just fade up. So actually you saying Julian would be more patient is probably in his best interest. I still don't believe he's quite the cut that some of these horses. The number 18, another runner in here for that trainer, Rat Cox, Tawny Port, Santana Jr. aboard. Look, he's hoping to win the Kentucky Derby. He's got a fair few in here. Tawny Port comes in here winning the Lexington Stakes. I just, I don't yet see it. He's progressed, mm. but isn't at the level yet he needs to be. Yeah, to me, he's, he's like a on form. He's very similar to Crown Pride, where he's coming off a nice win against weaker horses, uh, and he's going the right direction. It just might not be good enough compared to the, to the top tier here. I don't expect him to be a winner. I do expect him to run fairly well. He's a pioneer of the Nile out of Amatra and Amer. He's going to love every bit of the distance. The way he runs, he's a big, strong, galloping sort. Um, he'll be great uh, over a mile and a quarter. He's just not He's just not to that level to where I'm going to use him in the top parts of my tickets. Yeah, my thought. Exactly. Number 19, Zozos. The final of three runners for trainer Brad Cox in here. Manny Franco takes the mount of course we all remember manny from winning the belmont and the travers on tis the law before then going into the kentucky derby of course rescheduled uh, because of covid so has done everything right in terms of his natural progression he'd have to keep on progressing like that to really be able to best some of these heavyweights like epicenter who definitely had the better of him in the louisiana derby i loved his uh his works this week uh and last week i i really enjoyed watching him kind of prepare i think he's just a really quality horse in uh testament to munnings who's kind of flying along right now as a stallion uh for coolmore but i worry about the distance a little bit with his with his pedigree but the thing is he's gotten his numbers have gotten faster as the distances have increased the last three races so I'm not yeah. going to, and I like the way he ran through the line in the Louisiana Derby. So to me, I'm using him, and I think he's the best of the three uh, for Brad Cox. I like his outside post. It gives them options. Um, and to, it's it's just it's just a very obvious horse to use, and I think Manny Franco should suit him very well. Yeah, I, I think he's a very good and talented type. I just wonder if he's going to improve enough to win here, but I think an underneath mm-hmm position is certainly viable and of course you never really want to completely fade any of the Brad Cox uh, runners in here the number 20 is the final horse that we'll discuss in relation to the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby ethereal road for coach D Wayne Lucas Louis Contreras takes the ride I actually got the chance to speak with Mr. Lucas uh, just after the draw and basically talking with him about being able to still compete. And if it was a tough question to put him in here and he was like, no, we wanted to get in. And that's why I ran him back uh, perhaps too quickly after the bluegrass in the Lexington. But ever since he's Mm -hmm. been training very well and he thinks he's going to return to form in the Derby. I mean, he, he must do that to finish, you know, mid pack in this race. He's going to have to um, sprout wings to, to, to win the race it's just not quite good enough you know uh yeah obviously has a hall of fame trainer one of the best ever but 
to me, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a horse drew into the race when somebody came out. That horse that was in the race probably wasn't good enough either. It's the bottom of the barrel as far as, you know, the horse is coming in. So it's a sporting gesture. I'm glad to see the UN Lucas with his 50th starter. I think it's fantastic. But the horse has very little chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that coach is here because it wouldn't be the same without him, right? Like you said, 50th yeah. starter. You have to have him being present. I do agree. I, I don't believe the horse is really up to the level that he needs to be to make an impression here but it's wonderful for the owners that i do believe haven't been that long with miss lucas yet to give them an opportunity to have a, a runner in the run for the roses always pretty special so from a cold for the lucas barn to the phillies we might as well segue into uh, the 148th running of the kentucky oaks because i actually want to begin with a quote from Dwayne lucas because when i asked him about the oaks field he said it's the best Oaks field I've seen in my training career. This is as good as it gets. You got undefeated fillies all over the place. In any other year, my filly, mm-hmm. talking about Secret O, will be three to one instead of the six to one she is now. He's pretty accurate about the field, isn't he? It's it's a very strong field. I think the the one the holder was second in a few years ago was uh, probably a little bit stronger, but um, it's it's a big field. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible race. And yeah, he has one of the keys to the race in Secret Oath. Well, let's talk a little bit about Secret Oath. Uh, she gamely held her own against the boys in the Arkansas Derby. That didn't go to plan really at the start, but she's had plenty of time to get over that bout. And of course she does get Dubai World Cup winning rider Louis Sayers on board. Yeah, I mean, I, I worry about how she finished in that race. I know she had her own, own issues with traffic and going wide and making one big sweeping move, but she just didn't maintain what I, how I would have liked, especially when the numbers came back and the race was kind of slow. Um, and on the numbers, she's just uh, – she's one of the better fillies, but she's not as fast as, as the very best in this race. And to me, there's – you know, six to one is probably square on the nose. People are going to say she's a little overpriced, but I think it's exactly where she needs to be. You were saying that she might be the key to the race. Are you talking about perhaps being forced to go forward because of the inside draw? I think that they're going to have to push her a little. I mean, Luis is already kind of aggressive, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she might be a little more handy than people expect. Um, she's a big, strong, strong filly and, and, and they're going to probably use her size and she's got some natural speed. I don't know, you know, they could go on with it if nobody else wants to go, but I do think Yugiri and, um, uh, and, uh, uh the champion, uh, Echo Zulu are going to go out yeah. there obviously, but if anything happens with them, she's going to be sitting down on the inside saying, I have this, I have the shortest path around. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if she did that. I think she'll be sitting either on the lead or right behind it. Yeah, I agree with you here. Of course, uh, Dwayne Lucas looking for that fifth and record-tying Oaks win. So it would be wonderful if she got the job done here. And she very much is up to the class needed to get her nose in front. But there is a couple of others that certainly are going to try and make her life hard. Let's talk about the number two, Nostalgic, for trainer Bill Mott, Jose Ortiz aboard. Godolphin Homebred, uh, prepared by the Mott Stable. There aren't she's done very, very well. She's turned the corner, getting back on the main track as a three-year-old, most notably when securing her first graded stakes win. That was a bit of a perfect inside trip in the gazelle. But I do believe she's up against it here. 
Yeah, I think she's just a little too slow on the numbers. She's going to be progressing in the right way. She's going to get every bit of the nine furlongs just fine like she did last time. Um, but I think she's going to be a, kind of a late runner and pick up the pieces. Talking about perhaps a, a sneaky horse that I'm definitely going to use in here, 20 to 1 on the number 3 hidden connection. She was the first one to get on the points board when she won the Pocahontas as a two-year-old. Loved the effort she showed against Echo Zulu in the fairground Oaks. I really do think she has a better chance than that 20 to 1 morning line might suggest. Yeah, I think she's a, a, a serious player. I think she's top five, top six in the race. And that's that's speaking to the depth of the race. I think any other year she'd mm-hmm. be a serious, much even more serious player. Um, to me, her, her run last time was excellent uh, in, in the Fairgrounds Oaks. Uh, but she was facing sort of an off-the-bench Echo Zulu, who I expect to improve in a considerable fashion in this race. So, yeah, to me, Brett will have her perfect. He always does. He's really good with the big races um, and she, you know, she gets a chance to avenge her poor performance in the Breeders' Cup last year. We'll see how she fares. Number four, Ness for trainer top Pletcher got the honors of being the morning line favorite, even though she's not one of those three undefeated fillies that we haven't even uh, <laughs> talked about. Just speaking to, like you said, the depth of uh, the, the runner she's up against, uh, such a beautiful and easy Ashland victory last time out, looping the field, putting them to bed. Irad Ortiz Jr. retains the call. She's definitely one of the top picks in here. Yeah, I think she's a deserving favorite in this race. Just her for two victories this season have been dominant and in a way that where she basically kind of made her own luck. You know, she 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 went between horses, went around horses, just kicked on nicely. And did it fairly easily. Uh, she's a curling out of an APND mare. Um, Marion Ravenwood, I remember her. She was uh, trained by, um, her mother was trained by uh, Graham Motion. Um, it was a very useful filly. Um, I feel like she's she's very much the horse to beat. She comes off a huge number in her last race. The second fastest uh, sheets number in the field. Um, she could bounce off that a little bit. That's a, a worry okay. coming off four weeks. Uh, and she did have two months, you know, she's had two months between races, the last two races. Um, so that's, that's probably the only knock against her, but I do expect her to run very well. Uh, and I think that she's been trained kind of to a T very similarly to how, um, to how, uh, Malifat? Malifat was last year. Yeah. Of course, Malifat also daughter of Curlin winning the Oaks for Todd Pletcher as well. So would only be natural that we're trying to look for uh, similarities in here to figure out if she is just as good as Malafad or perhaps even better. Time will tell uh, when the gates open on Friday. The number five, Goddess of Fire, another runner for trainer, Todd Pletcher. John Velasquez uh, gets the call. That is the jockey trainer combination that won the Oak twice already, including last year's Renew Us, we just said with Malafad. She's a progressive filly who is hoping to break that streak of seconds, which unfortunately I do think is going to, you know, starting to really show a little <laughs> bit as a kink in her armor. Yeah, I, you have to use her though. She, to me, she's the of that, the the value of the um, of the Pletchers here. When I did my evaluations of this race, I had a th- all three of the top ple- of the Pletchers in the th- in the th- in the top five. So <laughs> I just I feel like he has a he has a lock on this race, mm-hmm. and they have all do three different styles. Um, or they, it's not like they're going to be lined up side by side, you know. Uh, 
to me, she's got a little more pace. Uh, she can be very handy. I, I loved her race in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. She obviously was beat by a very, very good filly that day, but she's just progressed nicely from race to race this season. And she's got a, a decent foundation under her. She's a mind chef. She's going to have no issue getting a, the mile and an eighth. And, you know, I look for her to be in the picture, just not good enough to win it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, JK asked me on the monster spot for in the money saying, do you think she's going to win? I'm like, unfortunately, I think she has a very good chance to run second again, kind of summing up her <laughs> entire career. But she is very talented. It's just not enough against some of these heavy hitters. The number six, Yugiri, comes in here for trainer Rudolf Brisset, Florent Giroux on board. She's one of the long shot contenders who I do believe is helped by the booking of Flo, of course, he's won the two-time Oaks mm-hmm. already. And uh, she has prior Churchill Downs experience as well, which I do think uh, will aid her calls. Yeah, I think so. The, you know, the French connection with Rudolph and Florent will uh, will have this filly, you know, running well. She'll be very foot forward, um, probably wanting to make the running or at least uh, flanking off of Echo Zulu. Um, I'm not sure she's quite good enough. And I think that maybe her prep race was was you know given it she was given a bit of a gift when um uh when when secret oath didn't run in that race mm-hmm. so that that's that's to me i kind of put an asterisk next to her i'm glad she's in the race and i think that rudolph is one of the uh the best young trainers in the country the number seven echo zulu is the unbeaten two-year-old champion philly of course trained by the all-time leading american thurbit trainer in Steve Asmussen I mean it's kind of straightforward right what's not to like (laughs) she is making her Churchill Downs debut like you said before perhaps wasn't fully cranked yet last time at the fairgrounds yeah she very much wasn't and and you could see the relief on Steve's face and all the interviews he was just you know I feel like she was he knew that this if she was ever going to be beaten this is probably the biggest moment um so yeah, it's that's that's kind of the 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 plus for her. You know that she's going to move forward. She reminds me a bit of Beholder coming into this race. When Beholder ran a huge race to be second, um, uh, also a two-year-old champion, uh, Breeders' Cup winner. So yeah, I, I feel like she's going to be the pace. They're going to have to pass her, and I just picked one horse to pass her. I have her second in here. Um, I feel like she might get a little leg weary at the end going a mile mm-hmm. and an eighth, um, you know, because she's such, such a speedy family, but her class is going to get her to the line uh, in the picture. Right. Yeah. I, I, I just wonder if she's going to be able to jump back up in terms of progression, like some of the other three old fillies have in here. Mm-hmm. I guess that's me nitpicking, but you have to in this race, right? You yeah. have to start kind of picking at them. I think that one thing, at least if you're looking at the sheets, she ran sort of an almost identical number in her comeback race as she did in the Breeders' Cup. And to me, that tells me that if that's the jump-off point, she's going to improve in a considerable way coming back. Um, I think she's going she's gonna, to she's gonna be ready to, to run a big race. It's just the distance and the conditions of the race might not be to her favor. Um, but... You know, I th- and another reason I, I'm backing her to be right in the picture there is because Steve and team probably, if they thought she couldn't win the Oaks, Sierra's she's already won at a mile in a grade one going at, at Belmont. They would have just taken her straight to the acorn. Um, and they're running her in the Oaks. They're giving her a chance. Uh, and this is what it's all about. I feel like she's going to, and she'll give them every, every shot in this race. 
I think a lot of people will be having their hopes uh, on Echo Zulo. Look, I, I guess I'm being cautious, cautious in a way just because you highlighted her um, speed figures. I saw her time from US figure in the British Cup Dirt Juvenile Phillies being much higher than her return race. So she, of course, came back not fully crowned. So I'll give her credit to that. But then I do need to see that progression, which might as well happen this Friday. Like I said, just tiny bit of mm-hmm. nitpicking going on here. Number eight, Venti Valentine for trainer Jorge Abreu. Tyler Gaffleon on board. She's flying the New York flag. It's never finished worse than second in her five-star career. And only the smallest of margins separated her and the current favorite in the Demoiselle as a two-year-old. However, I don't think she can improve enough uh, to catch Ness this time around. Yeah, to me, I feel like she's maybe more of a seven-furlong-mile horse. Um, she's just got she's got ample speed for that, and she's kind of stretching herself a little bit thinly when it comes to nine furlongs. I think we saw that last time, and I also believe the Gazelle was probably a, just a slow race. Um, so uh, slow races and slow preps don't always slash never uh, get the winner for the for the mm-hmm. big race next out. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the big knock against her. Hopefully, she's up there in sort of in the vanguard in the end, pressing to make sure that. It's not too slow of a pace so that the rest of the field has a, a chance to make this a race. The number nine, Desert Dawn, for trying to fill the amount of Umberto Rispoli gets the call. I'm kind of intrigued by her. Not too many mm-hmm. Arizona breads line up in the Kentucky Oaks. She earned her spot <laughs> with an upset win in the Santa Anita Oaks. Now, normally you see a runner like that come in with a bit of a shorter price. She's 20 to 1 morning line because she ended up snapping a, a losing streak. And people have argued that she made use of a bit of a, a pace meltdown. Now, do you think that to be the case, or do you think she just simply improved that much and has got a little bit of talent? I mean, they. I think that it's a little bit of column A and column B with her, as she's she's really improved and she ran a nice, you know, decent number um, on the sheets. Uh, you know, one of the better numbers in the field. Uh, I think she ran a ten that day, and uh, and. But it, she really did progress into that race and, and not progress, sort of like jump up and run a big race. So I, I, I always fear bouncing with these fillies, um, especially, you know, she, along with Nest, along with Kathleen O, they improved so much in this last race that you worry that they might not come back and run that same race. And she's probably mm-hmm. the most vulnerable of those three. Yeah, I agree. I do find her incredibly interesting based of that sharp improvement that she showed and the value that she is at 20 to 1. But yeah, will remain to be seen if she can reproduce that and a bit to actually get the job done here. One of the other undefeated fillies in here is Kathleen O for trainer Shug McGehee. Javier Gasolano on board. She's got a devastating late turn of foot for a very well-liked Hall of Famer, and he knows what it takes to get a filly ready to win in the Oaks. She has gotten stronger with every single start, and I was watching back her Gulfstream Park Oaks win because I was talking about Goddess of Fire as well. Kathleen O, just so, so strong late. Really, you were talking about gears, mm-hmm. I think, remember, with with one of the Derby runners. She has gears. Yeah, she, she doesn't. I feel like even if she regresses a little bit, um, she's still in the picture here. Uh, she ran the fastest, uh, six and three quarters, fastest number coming into the race. Um, but the worry is that she jumped from, uh, I believe, a 11 and a quarter to a six and three quarters. Is, you know, that's a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that's a four and a half 
four and a half points. Um, that's a huge jump, and, and you worry that she might bounce out of that. But she also looks extremely well. She's carrying her, her flesh extremely well. I feel like she's going to run a race. It's just whether or not traffic gets in her way. You give her what? What is she in your top top three? Or top I have four? her third. Okay. The number eleven cocktail moments for Kenny McPeak. Corey Lannery aboard made her first career start a win under the Churchill Down Spires. Has not been off the board since. Was that comes from off the pace? Unfortunately for her, I feel like there are better closers in this field than she represents. Yeah, she's a a square. Um kind of uh outsider to me uh i'm not sure that she's uh good I, I i she's run extremely well in these races i mean there's no doubting that it's just she's not run as well as everybody else mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh you know and and she's picked up a nice check each time she's run you know fairly quickly she's progressed but i think that you know coming back to churchill helps her so you know there are lots of pluses um i'm just not sure she's good enough when it all matters yeah, I'm, I'm not using her. And the same actually goes for the next filly we're going to talk about, the number 12 candy raid for Keith Desermo, Rafael Bejarano aboard. She's also an outsider. She does have more starts to her name than any other filly in the field. Got her ticket to the Oaks with a win in the Bourbonette Oaks, but that was on the synthetic. And she'll just have to do better to have a chance here. Yeah, I think she's just not as good as the rest of these fillies and, and coming out of synthetic race doesn't really please me either. Um, even if it was a victory and, you know, it's kind of the tis the bomb. Maybe that was a hint that, she, you know, her better runs are going to be on, on the grass, <laughs> you know, that maybe that's her future. Um, but to, to me, you know, it's, it's a sporting gesture of them. And, I'm, and, you know, it's always good to see Keith Asarmo in the race. That's just going to, the horse is very much an outsider. Yeah, no, I, I love people putting their hosts in with a chance because it's just a, a wonderful event and to be part of it is terrific. But I, I do think she's got to do better. Let's talk about a runner that I know you have a fair bit of time for, the number 13, Shahama for trainer Top Pledger. Flavian Pratt gets on board. She's quite an eye-catching individual. She's very well-bred. She's a half-sister to two-time champion looking at Lucky. Never run in the U.S. before. Has fighter trade in the UAE? So far, I, I I know her extremely well, um, and I love her chances. Uh, I know it's a big ask, and you have to improve an incredible amount to go from be, to beating horses here to beating fillies there. Uh, but from everything I've seen, I never I've in my five years in the UAE, I have never seen a three year old progress from race to race the way this filly does. Um, she's very very smart. Um, and she's undefeated for a reason. She, she's, you can see her sort of working things out in her head. Nothing really seems to bother her. And what kind of gave me the icing on the cake and put, me, put her on top in this race for me is watching her works the, um, the last few weeks. She has been, if you watch it, she's, she's notoriously a slow workhorse in the UAE. I mean, he works with two other horses. To, Fauzi would work with two other horses sometimes to keep her you know, interested and in the, in, in the work. Um, she's been kind of toying with goddess of fire. Who's a good workhorse uh, and keeping her nose just in front of her. You can see it the entire time she's doing just enough. Uh, and I think Todd knows that she has, a, he's, he has a serious filly on his hands and she's flying under the radar. I think she's 20s, 20 to one on the international market. Um, uh, and I think she'll go off around 15, 16 to one. I think she's a huge value in this race. And 
I have no qualms saying that I think she can win. Wow. Yeah, 15 to 1 morning line. My drawback is that she's never faced any like the filly she'll be facing on Friday mm-hmm. before. Of course, she's she's never been best. She's never been best. She's never won by less than two lengths. I just feel like she's getting thrown into the deep end, comes off two and a half months layoff. And looking at her time form figures, she has to run faster. But you're right. She's been the bus horse on the backside. Everyone's kind of fallen in love with her. And you definitely have me intrigued now listening to you. Yeah, she's she's got the looks, you know. It's it's and she's got the pedigree. She's a half to a dual champion and looking at Lucky, and uh, she's a Munnings with that big white face that he often begets his uh, his offspring. Mm-hmm. But to me, she's she just has a very special quality about her that if she doesn't win here, she'll be very tough in the Acorn wherever they take her from here. It's just uh, and. You know, full disclosure, I'm very, very close with the the with Fauzi Nass, who trained her here, and um, Audrey DeVries was a big part of that process, and they just think the world of her, um, and they know the talent that she has, and that's why they sent her to America. That she might have been beating yaks here, but she's good enough to beat very, very good horses in America. Yeah. I know it's great having Flavian Pratt on board, but I, for one, would have loved to have seen Adri on on top of her. (laughs) And, you know, the only Dutch jockey uh, competing. And he's so good, too. He's terrific. (laughs) He's such a good rider. I would have loved to see him come over. And in the plus column, I think Flavian was the perfect person to pick. Um, You know, has the more European feel to him. um, And he likes to break a little handy and loves to position. And those are things that we know Adri for. Uh, he's, you know, he's very patient. So I, I feel like they picked the right one and the Philly is, I, the fact that he's arguably the hottest writer in the States right now, the, and he, yeah. he chose this, this, you know, he, he said yes or chose this Philly and you know, that that's a huge plus. Final Philly in the field is the number 14 Turner loose for Brad Cox, Manny Franco aboard. She began her career racing on the turf including winning a stakes on the grass as a two-year-old. She actually made her dirt debut a winning one when outclosing Goddess of Fire in the Rachel Alexandra. She is going to jump from the outermost post. I think normally that's you know mm-hmm. not always the greatest. But the way that she runs makes me think that at least she can kind of navigate herself a position. Yeah, she might be able to. I, I don't think she's good enough to win. I think they, the Brad will have her on, you know, point to to run a big race but to me i think she's eventually going to wind up back on the grass um that's probably where she might wind up belonging um you know and on the grass she obviously came out of an incredibly hot race now on the juvenile phillies turf which now has like four graded stakes winners or group stakes winners have come out including the guineas winner last week in cachet so i i think that there's class in her background but on the dirt she's just not there Okay, so to wrap up the show today, feet to the fire, top three in the Oaks for you, and then top three in the Derby to reiterate. I'm going to go with Shahama on top at a big price. Um, uh, I think that she's going to run down Echo Zulu, who's going to be setting the pace. Uh, Echo Zulu will be my number two, and Kathleen O is my number three. I hate to not have Nest in there. I have her fourth. Um, but I feel like drawn in post four, she might get shuffled back with the, the speed on the outside pushing over on her. Okay, I'm the Derby. 
in the Derby, I think it's going to be a Yak Team 1 2. Uh, I'm going to go with Taba over Messier. And, you know, to me, I'm going to go for uh, basically a, a big bomb back in third and pioneer of Medina. Wow. Okay. Well, Mikey, thank you so much. I hope you're still going to be able to catch some sleep uh, at about what <laughs> 5 a.m. it is now. <laughs> I yeah, really appreciate it's, it's, it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's the, the excitement is, is keeping me awake and I'm so excited for this week. So thank you for having me and, uh, you know, best of luck. Let's make some money and enjoy the races. Oh, I'll be holding your feet to the fire. No worry. I'm writing all your selections down. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Don't worry, guys. That was a friendly, not evil laugh. Mike is an excellent handicapper. He did very, very well in Saudi. So just to reiterate his picks, Derby top three, Taba, Messier, Pioneer Medina. Oaks top three, Shahama, Echo Zulu, and Kathleen O. My top selections, Derby, Epicenter, Messier, Taiba, Oaks Top 3, Nest, Kathleen O, and Echo Zulu. Fingers crossed. Both races, very, very tricky puzzles to try and dissect, but hence also incredibly exciting and rewarding. Can't wait to see which stories will emerge this Friday. And Saturday, I did hear that we're expected to receive quite a bit of rain on the Friday. So I come well prepared. You know how they say in Kentucky, you have to wear a big hat. So I've got this huge flapper hat that I'm hoping is going to shield me and everyone around me. Okay, it might, might not be that big, but it's sizable enough from the rain. So wish me luck. I cannot wait. I've not been to the Kentucky Derby since Justifies Year. 2018. That's the only Kentucky Derby to date that I've physically been to. Do let me know if you guys are attending as well, but watching it from home is just as much fun or even throwing your own Kentucky Derby party or attending one. Enjoy. Enjoy.